Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Prophetico. We're going to get into the Bible straight away. I just picked something, and um, looking over to here, I see that it goes uh, straight to the New Testament in a direct quote, uh, not by way of the Masoretic, but uh, it does go there in the Greek. So anyway, we'll read this, I think, in New American Standard Bible Version. Uh, Hosea chapter 13 when Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. He exalted himself in Israel, but through Abel he did wrong and died. And now they sin more and more and make for themselves molten images, idols skillfully made from their silver, all of them the work of craftsmen. They say to them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore, they will be like the morning cloud and like the dew which soon disappears, like chaff which is blown away from the threshing floor, and like a smoke from a chimney. Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except me. For there is no Savior besides me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they had their pasture, they became satisfied, and being satisfied, their heart became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them, like a leopard. I will lie wait by the wayside. I will encounter them like a bear robbed of her cubs. I will tear open their chest. There I will also devour them like a lioness, as a wild beast would tear them. It is your destruction, O Israel, that you are against me, against your help. Where now is your king that he may save you in all your cities? And your judges of whom you requested. Give me king and princes. I gave you a king, and in my anger, and took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. The pains of childbirth come upon him, he is not a wise son, for it is not the time that he should delay at the opening of the womb. Shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol? Shall I redeem them from death? Oh, does where are your thorns of Sheol? Where is your sting? 
compassion will be hidden from my sight. Though he flourishes among the reeds, an east wind will come, the wind of the Lord coming up from the wilderness, and his fountain will become dry and his spring will be dried up. It will plunder his treasury of every precious article. Samaria will be held guilty, for she has rebelled against her God. They will fall by the sword, and their little ones will be dashed to pieces, and the pregnant women will be ripped open. Well, as you can very well see, uh, that things are not uh, going according to plan. You'll take note that he made reference here. He's talking about Ephraim, he's talking about Israel, and he's talking about Samaria. What is Samaria? It, it amazes me how many times that I ask people that. They have no idea. That is a half Israeli, half Assyrian. That's what that is. And you'll take note uh, that he likens Ephraim at the beginning, then Israel, to Samaritans. And this, of course, has some dire consequences here. It has everything to do, uh, well, with the opening of the matrix, uh, as other versions may say. Because matrix is, of course, womb. So, This is a very dire um, thing for the Lord to say here. Absolutely atrocious what, what he's saying here that, that he is going to do himself. Just take note that he's, he's making reference to himself uh, carrying all these things out. Which is in, car, in, in very stark contrast to where uh, one of the verses here, of course, uh, verse 14 was included in the New Testament. It's a direct quote. Uh, that quote is in, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55. So we're going to go there, and of course it's going to tell you all about a mystery. That mystery I seem to be talking about a lot here lately. Remember... The last broadcast, if you didn't catch it, you need to go back and listen to it because Isaiah chapter 9 in the Septuagint is very quite clear that it is the seal of God that's going to do this thing. So when we think about that, uh, most people won't put two and two together <laughs> whenever they're reading uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. They'll have no idea the context, what is being talked about. Under what event horizon this is going to happen, because it is going to happen. He makes himself perfectly clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's really not going to debate with you about it too much. He's going to give it to you both barrels, square in the chest, point-blank range. So with this entire backdrop, let's head on over to... First uh, Corinthians, the 15th chapter, we'll begin reading in verse 51, as that is the beginning of this stanza where the quote 
is used. This time I think I will use the King James Version uh, just to switch it up a little bit. <coughs> I am sorry. I still have this chest cold after I, I don't know how long I've had it. It's been well over a month. Um, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we all shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on in corruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, uh, I'm sure everybody realizes that this is one of the um, uh, one of the more pa uh, popular uh, passages concerning a certain tob uh, topic in in time eschatology. However, they never shed in what light it's coming from because this is coming. This is a direct quotation, of course, from Hosea chapter 11, and as you can tell, it's not going to happen when they think it is at all, not at all. He makes himself perfectly clear what he's talking about. So, just so everybody knows that if you are involved in this particular topic, topic which I'm referring to, and you can't answer all of the questions from Hosea chapter 13, well, that probably means you're way off base and way off topic. You can plainly see here uh, in Hosea chapter 13. Now take note, right before the verse that was quoted, what did it say? It said, the iniquity of Ephraim is bound up, his sin is stored up, the pains of childbirth came upon him. Now, you understand what he just said, didn't you? Because he just said that in a masculine form. Now, the verse does go on to clarify itself, so you make sure that you know exactly what he's talking about. He is not a wise son, for it is not time that he should delay at the opening of the womb. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not being figurative with you. He certainly is bringing your attention to the way of sorrow prophecies and the dire statements that Christ gave to the daughters of Jerusalem. Make no mistakes about it. 
He's reminding you of, of course, Matthew 24, the infamous discourse where he warns we'll be into pregnant women and nursing mothers. But you realize in this context, he's talking about the one that's inside the womb, not the mother. And if you don't have an answer and realize that this is exactly the pinnacle of what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, you're way off base with whatever topics you've in, indulged in concerning those last verses, that last stanza of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because it has everything to do. Uh, with uh, Ephraim being inside the womb, as that's how he even ends this chapter. The dire threat of ripping them open. Uh, when you look into the Hebrew with this, there's no other conclusions that you can come to. There's some variations you could give on some of these verses, but he's making himself perfectly clear. Uh, all the phraseology uh, that he's using here is really quite pointed and really quite clear in the Hebrew text. And like I said, there is some uh, variations where I could uh, I could change the wording a uh, some a little bit, uh, but for the most part, this is this is really straightforward. So if you haven't included into the event that you describe, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to detail, if you have no explanation for these that are in the womb, you are incredibly off base. Incredibly so. You're incredibly off base. So I'm not saying anything about that left or right. The only thing I am saying is is that you need to back up, uh, go back to the Word of God, and make adjustments. I mean, you may need to learn a little bit before you go forward and before you continue uh, on this topic uh, that you're covering uh, in whatever way, shape, or fashion that it might be. But you need to, to, to realize that. You also need to realize that uh, in the Masoretic text, um, it, it's pretty important that you can see, uh, even verse, uh, verse 15, uh, that east wind, it's pretty important what he's talking about there. It's not the only time he uses that exact phrase, because Sometimes this has a yod in it, and sometimes it doesn't. Of course, to you and me, that would mean, hey, that's a completely different word. Well, it can be. I will tell you this, that that exact spelling is in the book of Jonah. It's in uh, chapter 4 and verse 8. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint 
and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. I hope you realize that the whole reason why he said that wasn't because of the scorching heat, that that was the result of the instigator. The instigator was, of course, Quadim with the yod. With a yod. So, with, with that in mind, you've probably got a whole lot of studying to do if, if you've never realized these things were at play. Because it, it, it really is important, ladies and gentlemen. It, it really is. Now, I, I'm sure that most of you, based on the questions that I've been getting here uh, as of late, uh, are having kind of a hard time with the Hebrew. And you're probably wondering why I said sometimes it's spelt with a yod and sometimes it's not. Because if it's spelt with a yod mem, that just makes it plural. That's quadim. So... Well, what is that a plural of? You're probably asking yourself right now. Well, it's fire. That's what it is. If you'll take note of uh, that exact spelling, uh, it's given to you as H4168. Uh but there's something you need to know. Uh, when it's given there in Psalms 102, verse 3, uh, well, you need to take a look at it because that's not how the strong says that it's spelled at all, not even remotely close. So if you're wanting to know the context of what this thing could be to have prophetic insight to it, just take a read of Psalms 102, verse 3 in the Masoretic text. And just take note that this has everything to do with, well, the wilderness is mentioned again. He's uh, talking about uh, when he will have compassion on Mount Zion. Uh, direct reference to his throne room, by the way. Uh, you'll take note that that chapter, as well, ends with the children. Once again, it ends with the children. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, just, just to make it a little easier on you, who he's talking about is, of course, in Revelation chapter 14. Read it, and you'll you'll find out who it is that um, this prodigy is that is literally standing right before him. They've been established now. And it gives you a whole lot more insight into Hosea, why he says these things uh, about the children. It's really pretty easy to deduct why he's saying these things once you're able to put two and two and two and two together. Uh, 
because these are all strung together. It's a singular idea. And if you haven't caught that, okay, there's a reason why uh, there in Hosea chapter 13. Uh, he, he calls this son that is unborn. He calls it unwise. It, it, it's important that you be able to see what's, what's going on. Of course, when you go to Revelation chapter 14, you get a whole lot more discourse on the anomalies that that group carries. But this is who he's talking about, beyond any shadow of a doubt. And he makes perfectly clear that this is tied directly to the events of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and like I said, I know that that's a, a real uh, popular uh, topic there, um, starting with verse 51 all the way to verse 58. I'm well aware that's pretty popular in most uh, eschatology circles. So uh, I would suggest that uh, if you claim to be an expert on this topic, uh, I suggest that you broaden your, your horizons and study, take a study of Hosea chapter 13 and find out who those children are because it's detrimental to what he's relaying to you, the whole entire idea that he's relaying to you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last stanza. Just take note, I don't want to confuse you too much, but Besides the children, there's another group he's referring to there in that in that chapter. And that has to come to pass too, and you all should have caught that. He was in one breath he was talking about Ephraim, the other breath he was talking about Israel. And then he really got kind of irritated and brought in the Samaritans. So just take note that well the Samaritans uh, would be likened to the daughters of Jerusalem. So that gives you a whole lot of insight of, of where you can go, where you can look, uh, where you can begin studies uh, on this on this topic. Uh, because if, if you're used to just the run-of-the-mill stuff that everybody else says, if you haven't heard those teachers or wherever you're getting your uh, information from, if they haven't brought this up about the entities here mentioned in Hosea chapter 13, well, that means that they obviously don't have the eyes that can see what you're needing to study. So you probably just need to start from fresh, uh, pick yourself a translation. Now make sure it's not a paraphrase, so not the NIV. The NIV is not a translation. Uh, but you need to get, oh, a King James Version or um, Geneva Bible, uh, New American Standard Version will do. The English uh, translation will do. What's what's that new one? Um, ESV, I think it's called. The English Standard Version, I think, it is the new one. I looked it over here a couple of months ago. It looked like it was a pretty good translation, but you got the... Uh, revised standard version, that's a good one. Just use a, a an actual translation of the text and get you a Strong's and go to work. 
and follow the leads. Follow the leads. You're, you're going to find a lot of leads. Uh, just looking just a little bit, you're not going to have to go uh, very far at all before you start finding things. So uh, I hope uh, that has helped all of you with the questions that I got here over the past week. Uh, for some reason, I got a another uh, batch of those questions concerning this particular topic. Uh, no reason for me to mention the name of the topic as it does not exist in the Bible. It's not in the text itself. Um, so, uh, with that in mind, uh, I hope that helps you out at least a little bit. Uh, it gives you a starting point once you realize that, oh my goodness, <laughs> why doesn't anybody mention that in that particular topic, why don't they even bring up that the entities referred to there are given a full discourse in Hosea chapter 13? That's, that's, that's a good, good question. So, uh, I hope everybody uh, understood uh, everything that I said there. If not, I guess you can always send me more questions, that's for sure. You can always send me more questions, and we can talk about it some more. <laughs> but let me get back to the chat here. Is there any topics you guys would like to cover? Just throw that out there. If there is, let me know. Put it into the chat. Nobody's currently on air with me at present moment, and you guys are in big trouble because I'm at the end of my coffee. So... <laughs> Looks like we're going to have a, a moment of silence here. Uh, a little bit of moment of silence, maybe, uh, which is no big deal. I really don't mind that. Uh, but where else can we go next? Let's see here. What what else can we talk about? Maybe we ought to talk about Acts, the fifth chapter. Uh, what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? Um, we could do some Old Testament stuff. I don't think so. I think I want to do some New Testament stuff. Uh, of course, uh, hmm. Maybe we should talk about the love of money. Uh, when I get back, we're going to read First uh, Timothy chapter three. Uh, we'll just read that. It's it's not long. I promise. It's only sixteen verses. So it's it's not, not that deep. Uh, but it speaks about the love of money and talks about all kinds of topics that uh, we obviously need to talk about today. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. I don't have the capacity to play music. Uh, so I'll be right back here in a second.
Alrighty, let's get back to the text. Sorry for that moment of silence, but I don't have any way to play music while I'm gone. If nobody's on here with me, it, it you know, look, you don't even want to get to know me without coffee. That's, I mean, no, really, I think I'm on my fourth pot today. So, uh, anyway, up, oh, looks like, hey, what's up, JMG? What's going on, man? Nothing. Just uh, heading home from uh, my younger sister's house. Good deal. Good deal. You got fair weather? What happened? I said you've got fair weather? Oh, yeah. It's, it's beautiful out here. It's just a little bit windy, but it's, what is it, babe, like 60, 70 degrees? Yeah, it's really? nice. Good deal. Yep. What are you, what are you talking about today? That's still hot. Uh, I, just, I just got done talking about First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and Hosea chapter 13. Right now I'm getting ready to get into... Um, First Timothy chapter three. So, uh, as soon as you're home, let me know, man. Uh, All right, I'll be listening till then. Okay. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll just chime in when I can. Okay. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, let's take a look at this. Um, this is just Matthew picking a random chapter that happens to mention uh, about the love of money, <laughs> because I think we're all going to part ways. Uh, with our mammon here pretty soon, I think, actually. But uh, anyway, uh, it's important that you take a listen to this, and you need to take this to heart. Now, I understand uh, from a lot of correspondence that I've been uh, getting, there seems to be a lot going on in, in different church bodies. <laughs> Lots of them are being torn apart at the seams. Uh, I think uh, this week I had no less than three emails about people's churches being torn apart. So you not only be able need to be able to know uh, what the people over you, what caliber of individual they're supposed to be. Ladies and gentlemen... This list and everything that God's getting ready to talk about, that's what you're supposed to aspire to be. You see, we're, the church is never supposed to die. It's never supposed to run out. There should be fresh replacements every time someone graduates and gets to go home. There should be no problem. Let's say if you're in a traditional church setting... There should already be three or four people that play piano, just in case the person that does play play uh, piano gets a promotion. And I mean quite literally. They get to go be in Abraham's bosom, and the bride does not cease. She endures. So, behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're preparing yourself to take over somebody's function in the church body. I don't care if you're uh, church body is, you know, a home church or or whatever. Uh, the church body needs uh, janitors. We need people to take the trash out. We need people to wash the ovens when they're dirty. Uh, we need people to clean the gutters. Okay, whatever it is that you can do, you need to prepare yourself to do it, because the Lord your God is not going to be very happy if His body is left 
unfulfilled. Let me put it another way. The Lord your God is not too happy for an amputee bride. He don't think that's too funny. He has absolutely no intention of marrying his own son to an amputee. So whatever it is you can do, you better practice doing it. You better prepare your mind to do it. You know, come our time of testing, you can be well rest assured that many of the people uh, that's in your congregation there, they're not Christians, and they're going to make themselves known by what they really are come an economic collapse. You'll you'll never see their faces again. So with that in mind, uh, let's take a look at 1 Timothy in chapter 3. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of an overseer, it is fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine. Not addicted to wine. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you realize that he's not talking about communion. He's talking about gluttony. He's talking about being a drunk. Not a stalker. Not greedy. Or of filthy lucre. Patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjugation with all gravity. I, I love how the King James Version puts that. With all gravity. Uh, let's switch over to the NSAB. What does that say? Oh yes, with all dignity. That's what the New American Standard Bible. And I think we'll... Just continue on with the New American Standard Bible, just in case people aren't understanding what's what's going on here. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil? Now, let's stop right there for a minute, okay? Me and my wife found this out a long time ago. If you see a pastor that's wanting to dump off duties on brand new members, you know what you're dealing with because he just told you. Are all of you shocked to hear that? Yeah. If you get brand new members in the church and within a month... They've got duties already. They're doing a Sunday school class or something like that. You'll know what the pastor is because God just told you. Here, I'll read it one more time. And not a new convert. 
so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. Don't you realize what that just said? Let us move on. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, or addicted to much wine, or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife, and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to take note here. Did you realize that he separated it? Because the Greek is pretty clear with what he's saying. You'll take note. Verse 12 said that he must be the husband of only one wife. That's worded a little bit differently than the office mentioned before. It's not worded the same way. Up there, uh, this translation, New American Standard Bible, says the husband of one wife. I hope that got your attention that he reworded it. Verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Take note. Uh, that's why regulations are being put in place here. Okay? Guarding against what? Overconfidence or arrogance. Let's get on to verse 14. I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. Uh, of course, when we realize it is uh, Christ himself that wrote this, uh, <laughs> that should perk your ears up. Uh, yes, it uh, was the Lord's servant, Paul, uh, that actually uh, was doing the writing, but it was Christ who was doing the dictation. Verse 15, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up to glory. Period. Hallelujah. Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I hope that you take to heart everything that he said, because he was very clear in his intentions. He was very clear that how you're supposed to be. Uh, nothing here that he stated can really 
be argued about. He is really quite plain to the point and pointed in his assertion of that truth. This is the whole reason why he ended that chapter that way. Point blank. This is how it is. This is how it will be. (laughs) This is the mystery of godliness. So when you realize these things, you need to organize your life around said things. You know, let's talk about this whole marriage thing. Even though I have discussed it on uh, many occasions before, perhaps today is a good day to reiterate what I said. Because what I said, I meant. I wasn't playing around. <laughs> let's, let's take a modern – look at this, ladies and gentlemen. We, we have to in this modern age. I am not going to make any bones about it. If you are with a person of the opposite sex, especially if you've had a child with that person of the opposite sex, You're married already in the eyes of the Lord your God. Whether you have a little nice piece of paper or not is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. That doesn't matter. He's making himself very clear here that you're only supposed to be in the action of this office affiliated with one member of the opposite sex. Doesn't matter if you have a pretty little piece of paper or not. Whether you have children or not, that's all irrelevant. The one that you are with, you are supposed to act like, well, a Christian, shall we say. That's why he went on to make sure uh, everything was taken note there that needed to be said. Now, there's a couple of things in here that people really don't like, like prudent, like hospitable. Does everybody know what that means in the Greek? Hospitable means to love strangers. That's what it means. Philonoxos means the love of strangers, people you've never met. It means acting like you love them. Like, let's say, if you meet a stranger and get familiar with them and they're homeless, guess what? Sending them on their merry way is not loving them. Please do take a look at the parable of the good Samaritan. I'm sure you'll be able to readily understand what the Lord your God is talking about. Take note, you're supposed to manage your own household. Does that sting most of you guys out there? You just love for the women to run everything, don't you? You just kind of sit back and tie your shoes in the morning and untie them at night, and that's all you got to do, right? 
Well, if you don't make no mistakes about it, that means that you have no dignity. <laughs> Me and my wife talk about uh, a lot how one of the major problems uh, with this generation is they don't have any self-respect. They don't have any dignity. I mean, um, it reminds me <laughs> there. Uh, somehow my wife got a hold of a video, or maybe it was a picture, but there was a grown man. Care, er, he had a attached to his bicycle one of those children carriers. And there was another full-grown man riding in the child's carrier. I mean, we see women today go to... You know, you'll find them out and about, you know, at the grocery store in their pajamas. They have no dignity. So the really, all the things that people bring up here that, you know, they get all tied up in knots about, no, not really. I mean, how many of you are free from the love of money? Okay? I mean, he's not joking with you. He's not trying to beat around the bush. Let let me ask you something. Are you respectable? Do you even know what that means? <laughs> or do you have a bad reputation at work? doesn't matter the company that you're keeping, whether they're Christian or not. Do you have a good reputation with them? Because if you don't, you're on the wrong side of the fence. I mean, it, it amazes me how today most Christian people are towing the line, and they're not even in the right zip code. And that's sure not the right line they have their toes on. I mean, the Lord your God don't give a flying rip if you're, uh, you know, the owner of your business. He don't give a flying rip if you're the manager at the place you work. You actually think he's going to ask you that. You are to obtain dignity and hold a good reputation with everybody. And I mean everybody. Do you all do that? So a lot of this chapter that people get hung up on, they're avoiding the really difficult ones. They want to always talk about the hard ones. You know, as if, well, it's hard because now I'm on my fifth marriage. No, 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 no. Let me ask you something. Do you have any dignity? Do you know what that is in the Greek language? Do you have any idea what, what that is? <laughs> Do you know how you go from being a new convert to um, <laughs> being a deacon? 
because I don't think it means what you think it means. A new convert is on milk. I mean, so, if somebody that's the likes of me walks up and asks you something about the Bible, you are required to know. I mean, if I ask you what the price of gold is, that's irrelevant. If I ask you how much you got in your 401k, that's absolutely irrelevant. The question is, can I walk up to you and say, hey man, do you know where John 3.16 is? I mean, are you a little slow catching up to that? You know, we was in Sunday school the other day, and uh, the uh, Sunday school teacher called on a gentleman to read from Jeremiah, and he had no idea where it was at. Had no idea. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. And what you think is the answer, you're completely wrong about. Ladies and gentlemen, God cannot have control in your life unless you move on from that milk. You know, God can't do anything about whether you are a prudent man or not, or a prudent woman. God's got nothing to do with your reputation. He can't help you with that. It's your actions that decide whether you have a good reputation or not with the people that you affiliate yourself with. And oh, it goes farther than that. It's amazing to me how most people are very habitual when it comes to coming when it comes to coming and going to work. Invariably they'll have to deal with the same person at the gas station forever. Let me ask you something. The person that you know at the gas station, do they speak well of you? Do they? What about when there's a long line at the bank? Here, here's a better one. Did you realize there will not be anybody that's ever performed any form of road rage in the kingdom of heaven. Let let me ask you this. Did you know uh, that the Lord your God made the middle finger on both your left and your right hand quite magnificent by design? It has wonder and a marvel all in itself. But he didn't design it for sign language, if you know what I mean. And if you use that toward other people, especially in cars, being absolutely cowardly, I mean giving someone a vulgar sign using your middle finger while you're driving down the road in your nice little safe car, that's pathetic and that's cowardly. No, really, it is. And it might just get you into trouble. 
So with all the people that know you, you know, the people at the grocery store, the people at work, uh, who knows, you know, if, if your son plays, you know, soccer and you happen to be a soccer mom, riddle me this. Do you want me to come to one of your son's soccer games? Would you want me to come there without your knowing? Because I sure could. Because if you're not acting with dignity at the soccer game, well, I know another place you're not going to act very dignified either. And by the time you get there, there ain't no getting out of that. Once again about, you know, the marriage thing. Read it. Do you have a problem with it? You can't be a whore. Wow. Does that upset you? I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I take that back. I'm, I'm not sorry if I hurt your feelings. You can't be a whore. Okay, so if you are with... A member of the opposite sex, you stay that way. I don't care if all your buddies have you convinced that every 4th of July you're supposed to go out on a drunken binge and sleep around. No, you're not a Christian. You're a whore. That's what you are. I mean, he's called you a harlot so many times, it's really pathetic. So it doesn't matter if you got a pretty little certificate or not. That doesn't matter. Whoever you are with, you will be faithful to under any and all circumstances at all cost. And I don't care whether you're drunk or you're stoned. That doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. You are to be faithful even as he is faithful. That's just the way it is. So I understand the broad spectrum we have today with relationships. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of you that's going to listen to this have been involved in an abortion, right? What, you think you can keep a secret? Do you think God don't see you? You don't realize that you actually interrupted him mid-stitch as he was knitting together one of his children in that womb? Well, guess what? Okay. If that was yesterday, and now you're a Christian, get over it. He did. You need to. But now you need to act with dignity. I'm not saying you have to go get in the picket line for pro-life people. I didn't say that at all. I said exercise yourself as if you fear God, because if I'd have been the one in control, I'd have lit you like a match. I'd have showed you no mercy. He, however, has 
So now that you're past that, you need to act accordingly. Not like an idiot. Not like a crusader. I'm sure many of you, at one time or another, probably had some form of drug or alcohol problem. Get over it. He did. You need to. That means you don't put on your you know, sheriff's badge and run around to uh, anybody that you know that drinks alcohol and crucify them. That's not your job. You need to act with dignity. I mean, he just said that's the riddle of godliness. He don't give a flying rip where it is you've came from. He really don't care if you were a sailor at one point or time or not. Now you're a Christian. You're different. You're not uh, a construction worker. Okay, you're not an accountant. That's not what you are. You are a Christian. That's that's what you are, and you need to act like that to everybody. It doesn't matter if they hate your guts or not. Of course they're going to hate your guts. You have hope, and they don't. It's natural for them to hate you. Act with dignity. Act with respect. Manage your own affairs. It means having control. Don't you realize that? If you're not in control, God won't take control. Did you understand what I said? If you don't take control of your life, God can't be in control. He he can't. <laughs> if you don't take care of your bills and you let your spouse take care of all the bills, thinking that, well, if something goes wrong, I'll just blame her and in the divorce, I'll get everything, you know, I'll get all the valuables. Give me a break. That means it's not your shit because you're not in control of it. You're not administering it. You're not managing it. Uh, it's actually somebody else's, so how on earth can he possibly take control of it? You, by default, are just a stowaway on somebody else's ship. And this pertains to everything. I don't care what we're talking about. I don't care if you're we're talking about, you know, your uh, personal finances. Even though yes, uh you can have an accountant do that, but you need to direct that accountant where your savings need to be. I mean, do you do realize you have the complete right to call up Edward Jones and say, "Hey, uh get my savings uh, out of you know whatever stock, let's say Chevy or Ford stock, and I want all that redistributed into uh, you know silver or gold. What I'm trying to say is, you need to manage your life. You are accountable to it, and if you're not in control of your life, God's not going to take control of it. <laughs> okay. He will shore up the gaps. He will 
enable you to stand where you cannot. If you're not doing the job you're supposed to be doing, he obviously isn't going to help you. So this pertains to everything. I don't care what we're talking. I mean, your relationship with your, you know, daughter or your son. You need to manage your life. There is no free rides. Sitting back and being a stowaway so somebody else can take all the responsibility and take all the blame. Don't cut it with God. Once you begin to manage these affairs the best that you can, then you will stand. Because when needs be, he will take over as captain of the ship, as long as you're in control of it. It's got your name on the side of it. What I'm trying to say to you is this. Everything you do, everything you say, everywhere you go, literally everywhere you go, you are taking the Holy Spirit with you, and that's how you need to act, and that's how you need to conduct yourself. In any and all situations, no matter what time of day they may occur. So it doesn't matter if someone's done you wrong or not. It doesn't matter if you're in the right or in the wrong. If you want to go to heaven, I suggest you act that way. Because that is the only way that it is. It is no other way. Act like a Christian. Be a Christian. Doesn't matter if you fall flat on your face or not. That means when you make a mistake, you don't lie about it. <laughs> Be the first one to go to your spouse or the first one that goes to your boss and say, Man, <laughs> I just screwed that up. When you're a Christian, you don't sweep anything underneath the rug. Ever. Because if you do, it's impossible for you to have a good reputation even as he had a good reputation. So, JMG, you back yet? I am, uh, we are at a standstill. We're stuck in traffic, but I'm here. Cool, cool. <laughs> you know, so, Matthew, yeah. I was actually thinking about uh, the whole thing you were talking about money uh, earlier, and I was going to post something on my little Instagram uh about it, but uh, that's kind of crazy that you actually quoted the same verse that I had copied and pasted in my phone. Well, God has a way of doing that, being everywhere all at once. So if you were thinking it, it's natural to assume I was going to be thinking it, because the Holy Spirit ties us together, correct? Yeah, that's true. So have you figured out what you're going to do with that next show yet? Um, I'm thinking of talking about maybe, um, about sin and 
repentance, what does that mean? Because uh, I'm trying to reach the people that, I guess, in this generation, like you were talking about, that really don't care or even want to know what that stuff means. So I want to break it down to the to their terms that they're used to hearing. Like, everybody says, oh, I'm not a sinner, but they're willing to admit, hey, I'm not perfect. So I want to break it down like that for them. And uh, I'm going to, yeah, i got to get studying and break down the Hebrew and see what it says. Good luck with that. That's a good topic to jump into. Yeah. Really. Uh, oh, you mean cool? Um, Pastor Mark, he actually gave me a little intro, so I have an intro now. Cool, cool. But, uh, you mean uh, which which pastor are you talking about? You talking about uh, Brenton? Yep. Cool, cool. Yeah, he's he's good stuff. I was on the Iron Show one time uh, with him. Uh, I think it was quite a few years back now, but I had a blast with him, man. He's a good time. Yeah, he's awesome. Hopefully Nathaniel can end up getting a song like he said to, and I can use two little songs. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. But, uh, yeah, i got to get you on with me. I don't know how I'm going to figure that out, but I'm going to try and, try and do it. Well, I am a sucker for punishment, that's for sure. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'll come on with you. You figure out what you're doing, and I'll come on. Yeah, not a problem. All right. Yep. Hey, where's Paul at today? Not on. Uh, he went to bed. He went to bed early, I think. Uh, that's what he uh, said last message. Last message I saw, he, he was going to bed. I guess he had a rough day. Well, okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly what went on, but I guess he got out of line on one of Dory's posts, so... She didn't elaborate, and that's good because that would have just made me matter. So I don't, I'm not sure what go, went on, but I guess he deleted what he said. So yeah, I kind of read about that. I was like, wait, what? What happened? But I could imagine doing that, like putting uh, that and thinking that it's kind of covered. I'm like, you're still saying the same thing, but yeah, kind of goofy. Yep. Yep. Like you said, we all got to get to the woodshed eventually. Yep, we do. Uh, I went quite a while. I'm pretty sure that was my zip code. I, I lived out in that puppy. I just took the cot out there and went to sleep out there. <laughs> You're just waiting for so, it every morning? Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, what time did you get well, out, Matthew? Uh, let me see. How long have I been on here? I think I got on about 8.20, something like that. Yeah, about, about an hour and a half, 15 minutes ago, I think. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Oh, Monk crashed at 42, but yeah, I, I'm aware that tomorrow's Monday, so we probably should get off here. All righty. Hey, Tanya uh, says hi. Yeah, yeah hi, Matthew. Hi, honey. Uh, I'm praying for that situation with your mama. Thank you. Yeah, she's in a hard spot right now. I guess, I mean, she considers herself Catholic, I guess, so it's like she doesn't really know much. She just knows there's a God and she believes in him, but, you know, she doesn't know how about about the whole situation thing of what to say. So, yeah. Maybe I can get it. I need to download a, a, 
the Bible in Spanish so I can read to her. Hey, man. that do it. Spanish Bibles are a lot better than English Bibles. <laughs> yeah, I need so. to find a... Kind of like, I guess, the one that's semi-English because the Spanish we speak is not... Proper. Yeah, it's not the proper one. It's kind of like a lot of English words mixed up. And um, so, yeah, like the certain app that I was like reading, I'm like, okay, I do not know many of these words. So I need to find one that's kind of more the Spanish we speak. Well, you know, just a reminder that she's to be faithful no matter what, right? Yeah. That's true. I mean, is she being faithful? She is. And let that be enough. Is he being faithful? Yes, he is. Then let that be enough. That's That's what's important if they're being faithful or not, honey. Yeah. I think that's why they're... Regardless of what they're going through, they them together, they're staying strong. It's just, you know, what's on the outside of the relationship that's kind of like, you know, those things are trying to get in your relationship to kind of, you know, make So, yeah. But they're not allowing that, you know, the whole, it's not going to split them or anything. So, that's what's going on. Well, let her know I'm praying for her, okay? All right, thank you. I'll let her know, too. You know, she she knows about us, John and I, being on Facebook, you know, because of you guys. And um, it's, we're beyond thankful for that and blessed. And uh, I always talk about everyone to her. So, so she knows. She kind of doesn't really understand, but she knows. So I'll let her know that you're all praying. Good, good. All right, boys and girls, let's get off here. Um, John, you going to pray? You stuck in traffic still? Um, I'm driving, but I'm good. I'll pray. All right, pray. All right, um, dear Heavenly Father, I uh, thank you again for um, having me and my brother Matthew on here to uh, speak to your people, hopefully edify those that are lost and uh, strengthen them that need strengthening. And, uh, Father, I pray that uh, you continue to draw people Towards your son because it's getting uh, hopefully it's getting closer to your your return and uh, I can't wait and I want other people to see that as well and I ask this in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.